0: This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show Podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at capitalfinancialusa.com
1: Jay Will, Keyshawn, and Max. Uh-huh. It's my joke. Um, so here's where we're going to start with Jay Will. And because I asked him about coming back from a loss. How do you bounce back as an athlete? So the question is when it was over, and your season ends sooner than expected, how do you deal with the loss?
0: Well, number one it's hard not to pay attention to all the perspectives around you i don 't give a damn what any athlete tries to tell you right. as much as you try to you know um, you know curl up in the ball you're still uh, somebody that watches TV, your habits are still that of scrolling on social media. You're going to type in your name in the search column and read comments about what people said. Um, and usually, I, I, I give like a you know a 24 to 48 hour mourning period, you know, where you're allowed to feel bad mm-hmm. um, when something ends. And then for me, though, I, I think the biggest thing, and it, 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 it's almost something that correlates to. Dak Prescott or a Josh Allen, you know, with the Buffalo Bills or with any franchise, depending upon who your leader is, especially at the quarterback position, like, you know, what is the energy moving forward? So, yeah, okay, we lost um, Dak Prescott, for example. I didn't live up to expectations, fine. I'm right back on the field. I'm training. Mm -hmm. I'm calling my teammates, and I'm having accountability at them. I'm saying that was on me. Nobody else. I'm going to make it right. Have confidence in me. Let's get back in the gym and get after it. Let's get back on the field or enjoy your downtime. I'm going to stay here in Dallas. I'm going to keep working out. When you get back, it's time to go to work again. I think certain standards need to be set about where you're going. And, yeah, I can focus on what, what occurred and how I need to fix it and address those issues, but I'm also not going to be a prisoner of what happened. And, by the way, those same principles, I had them apply when you win it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like everybody, right. oh, you win it, and we it's same principles, like 20, 40 hours, celebrate, enjoy it, take time, but like, what's coming next? And I think as long as you always look at athletics and jobs and things through the prism of, that's what occurred, but now I'm going to focus on what is. Um, you know, it's like when teams say, well, the, you guys were reigning champions. No, you're not. You were champions last year. There's a new champion this year. Nobody this year cares about what happened last year. Everybody starting at ground zero. So I think that's the overall mentality on how to To move it forward, and I think that's important.
1: So, take me to what happened in the, I guess, the spring, late winter, early spring of 2000 when you guys lost in the second, the second, you know, Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. Was yours a physical response to what happened, or an emotional response? And you do, did you do that internally, or did you surround yourself with teammates and figure out we're going to get better as a group?
0: I focused more on myself, and frankly, at at 18 years old, I had gotten punked. I mean, that was a Sweet 16 game at Syracuse University, Mm -hmm. playing against the likes of Teddy DuPay, Brett Nelson, Donnell Harvey, that Florida team that got all the way to a championship game. So, you know, I got punked, didn't shoot the ball well, actually shot horrifically from the field, uh, turned the ball over a ton, and... For me, I watched over the next week and a half, two weeks, Florida get all the way to a national championship game to lose to Michigan State, yeah. right? So, number one, I was like, it, it hurt because I got punked. Secondly, it hurt even more because they got all the way there, right? So, yeah, their path was a team that we felt like that could have been our path um, to get there. And then that turned into how do I channel this frustration and this anger into making me better? So for me, at that stage in my career, it was, I need to be better. Now I need to start making 700, to 800 shots a day. You know, I'm not, I'm going to go to summer school. I'm not going to go home. And I'm going to be a gym rat. And Adam, frankly, for me, that was the year that changed everything. Because I lost weight. I got in the best shape of my life. I was making shots like crazy. And then coming into my sophomore year, there was nothing you could tell me. Because I knew who I was. I knew who I had prepared to become and, you know, kind of setting that tone throughout that summer allowed me to go into following season as a, as a different person. Cause I was able to channel that. And my teammates believed in me cause I had been put in the work. They had saw it and my play on the court and it had translated. And I think that's what you look for. You look for the play on the field or the play on the court and that mentality you have overall to translate.
1: You went from a thirty five percent three point shooter to a forty three percent three point shooter in that uh, in the from two thousand to two thousand and one uh, and the two thousand and one team was great too. they were both they were all great teams. That era uh, is probably as as great as the program has been over time. I don't know that that's not the best era of uh, I mean just absolute talent at Duke University. <laughs> Uh, But there's another part of the story that I don't think we have talked about enough. I brought it up yesterday. And this is where the regular season and losing focus in the regular season impacts the postseason. You guys had the unique ability to not lose focus during the regular season. There were very few stumbles. In fact, the year you guys won it, you guys won, you guys lost four games total. The first three of which were by a combined five points. And then the the game against Maryland, which probably made you better. Uh, Maryland's uh, rise to a national power at that point probably made you guys better. I don't even think probably. I think it definitely made you guys better. Uh, it gave you guys somebody to uh, to go against to measure yourself against because they were an elite team too and we all know what happened in the uh, in the final four I was sitting courtside for that that was fantastic even though uh, I am a Maryland grad uh, but I no longer give a rats about them. Um, but you
0: got it to follow on your Adam. You guys are fine. Yeah.
1: And, and actually that was 2003 was the last time I rooted for him. I, I swear. <laughs> I swear. And when they left, when they left the league, I haven't thought one second about wow. the university of, I really have not. Uh, I am an ACC guy, uh, way more. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not Van Pelt. I love Scott. Uh, Scott and I were in the same dorm and we, we graduated the same year. Uh, Scott is the Maryland fan I can never be. I absolutely can never be that guy. Uh, but I'm, I'm, what you guys did was you guys didn't leave anything, and no meat on the bone in the regular season, and Buffalo did that. They lost in back-to-back weeks to the Jets and the Vikings. The Vikings game was at home, and that's why they had to play Cincinnati. So sometimes it's not where you play, but it's who you play. And the Bengals, if they could have delayed it for one more week, maybe it's a different animal. But they left. They, they they blew it during the regular season. How do you maintain your focus through the boredom of the regular season? Well, I think sports is so psychological. So I, I, I literally... Um...
0: 0013 or text adam to six
1: hundred seven hundred. adam gold is a paid spokesman investment advisory services offered by capital financial advisory group a north carolina registered investment advisor
0: <laughs> and granted you know games have ups and downs and you have to go along the roller coaster ride and and recognize when you're going through a downswing and know that you have the internal ability to make that an upswing pretty quickly so you know this weekend i had to call a college basketball game adam and i went out to norman oklahoma And uh, I got a chance to call Baylor at Oklahoma. So uh, there is a a guy on Baylor's team, Jonathan Shwanda, who I uh, kind of like mentor and been around date 18 for a while. And I got a chance to talk to Scott Drew and the entire Baylor team after watching them practice. Mm -hmm. And they have a young stud on their team named Keontae George, and it's going to be a top five pick. Uh, But the leader of that team is a guy named Adam Flagler, who has won a national championship two years ago at Baylor. And he's a bona fide senior. He spearheads everything they do. And I I took the opportunity to ask him a question that I knew there was no way he was going to have an answer to. (laughs) And I said, you know, Adam, this is in front of the whole team and the coaching staff now, Adam. I said, Adam, when you are at your best, when you are in the sauce of competition. You're at your best. You're at your optimal play. What are you thinking? And he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm thinking about my teammates and I'm thinking about possessions. And and I was like, oh, you're giving me the politically correct answer. I'm like, no, I want to hear your real answer, Adam. What (laughs) are you thinking when you're in your flow state? And I could tell, Adam, that he had no idea. I'm like, see, these are, these are things that blow my mind. You guys are so gifted offensively. Do you ever think about what you think when you're that great offensively and how you apply that same feeling to what you're doing on the defensive end so you can play with that same type of energy and excitement to get yourself there? Because I used to think about it all the time. Oh, I just had 40 this game. What was I, what was that feeling? Was I angry? Was I at ease? Was I relaxing? And I, I truly think that there are, Two people in different pockets, right, in particular for Josh Allen. Like, he has not been – granted, it got robbed from him last year because Patrick Long's had the ball last. But, like, especially going down the stretch, you lead the league in turnovers. Like, who is that player that leads the league in turnovers? Who is he when he makes those mistakes? Like, is he, is he stressed? Mm-hmm. Is he trying to fit in the pass instead of just giving what the defense gives you? Is he trying to do too much because maybe you're asked to do too much? And I, I often think for younger players, even Dak, right? Like, who is that player that turns the ball over in those moments? Like, do, do you think of yourself as great, Dak? Or do you think of yourself as good? Dan Orlovsky said, you know, we love Dak because Dak is an incredible human being. Right. But the player doesn't match the person. And I'm like, oh, so, like, what about the person doesn't allow the player to reach that point? How do you get outside that point? I think guys like Joe Burrow, they have that. hmm where they're able to get outside of themselves. They're able to find that flow state mindset and apply it at different times of the game. Patrick Mahomes, same thing, where right? I think for other players, you see them search for that, right? Like even when Stephon Diggs was yelling at Josh Allen, he didn't even pick his head up to look at him, like meet that confrontation. Let that confrontation get you to another place where it gets you outside of your own mind. Cause you're stuck in your own mind. And when you're stuck in your own mind, Adam, you're selfish, you don't think of yourself maliciously being selfish, but you are because you're only thinking about you. You're not thinking about your teammates. So I think there are all these little tricks I think you see young players try to figure out throughout their tenure that they're in search of it. And what other players just innately,
1: they have it. It's okay to compete and be ruthless or even an ass when you compete. Um, and you can also marry that with being a, a great person off the field. Everybody I know... Uh, that I have talked to that has spent time in a locker room with Tom Brady thinks that Tom Brady is a great guy, right? Tremendous guy. But obviously on the field, field. right? Nasty. Exactly. Who's the best teammate that you ever played with? I would
0: probably, you know, Shane Bowdy obviously was an incredible teammate because he always was there. I, I think one teammate that I learned a lot from was, Ben Wallace during USA basketball. i never forget to say, Jay, I kept coming up the screen in practice and I kept hitting him with a pocket pass. I never heard somebody break down basketball this way because he was so secure with who he was. And I kept hitting him with this little pocket pass at the elbow. I'm like, shoot it. And he wouldn't shoot it. He would pass the ball, look for a different screen, and he would try to drive. And after practice, I'm like, you know, Ben, shoot the ball. Why would you shoot? He's like, Jay. I didn't get paid $100 million to shoot the ball. you know how I think about this game? If I give you two rebounds per quarter, I'm going to end up with eight rebounds, hustle plays. If I give you two putbacks per quarter, I'm going to end up you know, with 16 points. That's 16 and 8. If I give you two, like, three hustle plays per quarter, I'm going to give you a steal. right? Like That's four steals. That's 16, 8, and 4. That gives me my money. That's what I do. I'm based off effort. I know who I am. Use me for who I am. Don't try to make me into something I'm not. Right. I was like, I've never heard somebody talk to me that way. You know, somebody, and I, I think for certain players, knowing who you are says something, right? Because now you help me best orchestrate how to utilize your talent because you're not trying to do something outside of yourself. You're keeping it within the realm of who you are and how comfortable you are. So I'll probably say Shane Battier and Ben
1: Wallace. All right, cool. All right, final question. And I, I know you got... You didn't get in trouble on social media. Stan Van Gundy called you out, and we alluded to it last week when you called Georgetown. And I'm assuming head coach of Georgetown, not the uh, not the play by play voice of Georgetown. Uh, your dream <laughs> job. It take it took me back to a time where I was watching. You know, my formative years watching college basketball was in the uh, the early to mid '80s when Georgetown, Saint John's, Temple. DePaul, come on, man! C- city schools were great in college basketball. Like pe- people forget that DePaul was a thing back in the day. So mm-hmm. why can't the city? Sc- none of the city schools are any good. Temple's probably the best one. I don't consider Villanova city school because it's in the suburbs. So explain to me why? Why you think maybe the city schools are all struggling at this point?
0: It all has to do with how you market yourself and, and, and how you're doing recruiting-wise and how you're branding and how you're giving NILs. Um, I think that's a big part of it. And creating a culture and a pace that is exciting, right, uh, makes it feel different, makes it jump off the page. And by the way, just to explain myself on that, i like, I was having conversations inside our studio with a whole bunch of our staff, and we were all talking about, like, what our dream gigs were. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, literally, I went back on air. I was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to tweet out what my dream gig was. Like, not thinking anything of it. And people were like, well, who are these people asking? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. People on the Twitterverse weren't asking. So that means nobody was asking. No, right. people in my real life were asking. me. <laughs> yeah. And I responded right. via Twitter. And, like, I wasn't calling for Patrick Ewing's job. Like, I respect the hell out of Patrick Ewing. Yeah. I know how difficult his job has to be. But also, at the same time, like, I'm not making a, a, a ploy to coach. But that is one school that if it were to be open if that ever were to happen i would seriously seriously consider it because to me Georgetown basketball was big john it was yeah. ai it was victor page it was city guards in your face pressure style you know they have they have um, you know helping young you know people from different socioeconomic backgrounds yep. become great human beings getting an exceptional Education And people say, well, why wouldn't you do Duke? I'm like, I don't want to fill the shoes of Coach K. <laughs> like, and, and John Sire is my guy, and John has that role. Like, So for me, there's nothing wrong, I think, with just putting out your dreams and not saying you need to make a strategy to go out there and accomplish it, but I also don't give a damn what people say on Twitter. Twitter is right. not real to me,
1: Adam. It's not.
0: You know, Twitter doesn't pay my bills. Twitter, when I walk in my door, doesn't say, Daddy, I love you. You know, Twitter is not my life. Um, so that is what it is, and I wish Stan Van Gundy the best of luck. Um, he could have called me and spoke to me like a man, but I doubt he would do that.
1: Well, maybe Stan wants that job. Maybe he does. I don't. think good...
0: He should go for it. It's. A... Yeah, but by the way, also Adam, I laugh because when he's like, "Oh, what's You know, have some integrity. I'm like, okay, so integrity means the way I've seen other coaches go about the job, where they're like, you know, they're smiling, Patrick Ewing's face, but they're back doing it with the AD, right, or the assistant coaches that do all the dirty things behind the scenes, and then put themselves in a position to get the job, like that's integrity to me. Okay, got it. Instead of just <laughs> saying openly, I, I, that would be a dream scenario for me. What's wrong with that?
1: Awesome. Absolutely awesome. Every Tuesday we talk to Jay Will uh, at Real Jay Williams on Twitter. So when I
0: was looking to transfer, it was um, a lot of one-on-one and it didn't feel like I got lost in a huge university because I knew that if I came here, there was going to be someone I could talk to about every aspect of the courses I needed to take, but also, too, I loved the smaller classroom sizes, and I liked how interactive and immersive all of the learning was going to be. It wasn't just going to be me sitting in a room with a couple hundred people and a professor who didn't know my name. To find out more about transferring to William Peace University, visit peace.edu.